Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. Hey, I heard you needed inspiration. He's Ilana and friends with some revelations. Little known back to the day, every little thing's gonna be A-OK. Hey everyone, new episodes of Little Known Facts drop every Monday and you can find them on your favorite podcast provider. Also, if you go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com, you'll find behind-the-scenes photos, videos, and interviews, and lots more on the gallery page. And if you are loving these intimate, candid conversations with all the artists who come on the show, please head over to the contributions page. I depend on these donations to continue to bring you these interviews every week. So if you love the show, please donate. Little known fact about my guest today. One day she's doing stand-up in a comedy club in Los Angeles, and the next thing she knows, she's starring in a Broadway musical. Welcome Jen Kalila to the podcast. A-OK. A-OK. Hey everyone, my guest today is the Tony-nominated actress Jen Kalila. Jen currently stars as Captain Beverly Bass in Come From Away. On Broadway, she has also been seen in If Then, Chaplin, High Fidelity, and Urban Cowboy. Jen has been seen on television in Feed the Beast, Elementary, All My Children, Rescue Me, The Good Wife, and in the film Uncertainty. She's been in a band. She does stand-up comedy. She is an incredible advocate for the LGBTQ community and beyond. And she is beloved literally by everyone in the Broadway community <laughs> and basically any deli I go into in New York City. And I am so thrilled to welcome Jen Kalela to the podcast. Yay! Thank you so much for having me. It's amazing. I have had the great fortune of seeing Come From Away many times. Not only is it a show that I went to see because everyone that we love and know in the community was like, you must go see it. So beyond reviews from newspapers to have your peers and colleagues say, like, it's the best thing I've ever seen. And it became the show that anytime I had someone visiting and they could see one show, I was like, I got one for you. <laughs> but here you are. And I just want to say, before we get into that, and then we'll go back to the day you were born, and we'll end sure. with today, Sure, because we have 45 minutes. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, <laughs> we can do it. <laughs> the last person I took was my husband, because he'd been out of town filming forever, and mm -hmm. finally we found a date to see it with him, who I experienced 9-11 with, mm. and we got married right after. Mm. We were one of those people that reacted to it that way. Absolutely. And I had him on my right and a complete stranger on my left, mm -hmm. and the show was over, and I assumed Dominic was about to hug me, and it was the stranger <laughs> who just grabbed me yes. and said, I'm, I'm here alone. Can I hug you? Oh. And she lives with us now, and it's <laughs> been working out great, the wait, three of us. <laughs> wait, no, no, wait. <laughs> no. You've taken that story another level. I literally got teared up and I then know. you said she lived with you no, she and doesn't now live I don't know if I can trust anything you, you say. can trust everything I say except for that except the part. fact that she but it did feel like well we must all get married now because yeah. we had this incredible experience but the truth is that's what it is for mm -hmm. the audience whether they marry each other or not like yes. I'll never forget her mm -hmm. and I don't even know her name isn't that beautiful I mean that's what we hope theater does right is bring us all together that's the difference between any other medium like that magic thing that happens in that room on that night between the audience members themselves and the audience members and the folks on stage all of that magic floating around is what makes theater so special so. yeah how long have you been in the play Nine and a half years tomorrow. No. <laughs> so, See, now I don't believe anything. He was like, See, okay, right, we're even, right, we're we even. are even. We each get one we lie. We got one. And now we will and be earnest. Okay, from now on, no more lies. <laughs> we'll do a trust exercise. I want you to stand up and fall back into my arms, okay. and I will catch you. I'll totally do that. <laughs> 
Um, I have been with the, the show a little over three years now. Right. Well, that um, for people who have not been in shows or even for people who have, mm-hmm. that's a very long time. Mm-hmm. So there's something about this part and this particular show that's keeping you there night after night. Absolutely. And the cast. Uh, every time I walk into that building, I am deeply in love with each face I see, from our beautiful doorman to all of our crew to each cast member. We're all a family, and we've become even more so as each day goes on and as we realize that um, we're not just entertaining people. This is something special. Yeah. We feel like we've created this hive of goodness on, on 45th Street. And so it's hard to leave that. Why right. would you leave that? Because you don't leave a movement, right? That's it's correct. like you don't switch political parties. It's like this, right. is, this is much more than a show. Is the entire cast still the original cast? Almost. The There's only uh, a two of us. And those two folks that left, Rodney Hicks and Kendra Kassebaum, were both um, transplants from the West Coast. So they went back out west to be with their families, but everyone else has has stayed. And um, we, yeah, we laugh about it. People are like, I'm so glad you're still here. And, you know, it is a different kind of discipline mm-hmm. to do something that long and to make it fresh. We're, I've definitely sung Me in the Sky over a thousand times. Right. We figured out, me and my stage manager. And, and those of us that are have done all the shows from La Jolla to Broadway, we're, we're in the like 800s, like almost a thousand times, which is wild, right? Like I... I've never had the good fortune to be in a show that long. And so I'm learning this new discipline of making it new each night and strengthening my presence, uh, my present moment awareness. Are you allowed to leave and do other things? Have you been able to do other projects to kind of reinvigorate your creativity in other um, ways? I've been doing double duty quite a bit, working on some new musicals, mm-hmm. which has been super fun. And I've just been cast in a new show on CBS uh, called The Code, which will start um, filming in October. That's exciting. That is exciting. I'm stoked. Uh, Philippa Sue is also in it. And um, so that's going to be awesome because I'll get to do both things. Will you and Philippa get to sing in the show? <laughs> no, they're only they're, in the dressing, only, only in hair and makeup. That's right. That's right. Only, it's only a whole other show. Yes. <laughs> Wait, where did you say that filmed or where will it film? It films in New York. So you get to stay home. That's right. Although, speaking of home, mm-hmm. you did not grow up in New York City. I did not. This is not a Bronx twang <laughs> that we are hearing. Where are you from originally? I grew up in South Carolina. So everyone I talk to says that Charleston is one of the most beautiful places on the planet. Mm-hmm. Are you from? I was born in Charleston. Okay. And so I was raised in a town uh, just uh, a little outside of Charleston called Somerville. And uh, kind of in between Somerville and Hilton Head Island. My okay. whole family now is on Hilton Head Island, South Carolina. So and have they home, been there for generations and generations? Yes. For, well, well, for about uh, for over three decades now. So when I go home, uh, that's where I go to Hilton Head. And do you have a large family there? I got pretty large, yeah. It's um, my dad and my stepmom and my two elder brothers and my aunt. Um, and my mom lives there, too. My mom and my stepmom have become best friends. That was a project I worked on for many years that finally came to fruition. Wow. Well, how old were you when your parents got divorced? Very young, like four. And so it always saddened me to, like, leave my mom on Christmas morning and go to my dad's family's house. And my mom loves that whole family. And I knew that she and my stepmom had a lot in common. They're both educators. They are both very, very funny. Um, And so over the course of the past, I would say, seven, eight years, they've become best friends and traveled together. And it is my greatest accomplishment. That's incredible. <laughs> Forget the Tony nom. Yeah, yeah. But that really is amazing. Isn't that cool? And for your father, is he like, what? He's always is... like, what is she doing here? <laughs> what is this? Why, is, why are all my wives here? They're all there. That's so heartwarming, <laughs> it's right? It's sweet. It's sweet. Such a lesson in like, you stick with something long enough, man. Yeah. It can and work the, out. There's, there's room for, for all of us. Like, even if, I don't know. I don't know. I think our hearts are so much more open and capacious than we give them credit for. Yeah. That's a good vocabulary word, by Thank the you. way. Thank you. Um, so you're also very smart. <laughs> I'm all uh, right. There you go. So you grew up in, well, right outside of Charleston. Mm-hmm. You said you had siblings. So where are you in the... So I have two older full brothers, Michael and Thomas, and then I have a younger half-brother, Andrew, and he lives in Minnesota. But I'm the only girl. You are the only girl. Mm -hmm. And do all of them sing like angels like you, or was this like a very specific talent? (laughs) I am the black sheep, or the pink sheep, since I'm I'm gay. I like to say I'm the pink sheep. I like Um, that. (laughs) My mom has a lovely singing voice. She and I would sing together sometimes. Um... 
Uh, my dad is always like rock and roll. He introduced me to, you know, like ZZ Top and, and Zeppelin and that kind of thing. But I am definitely the only performer. My little brother dabbled for a little while, um, but it, it didn't stick. So a lot of my friends who've been on the show, there's been all these different ways in which they realized that maybe people sing, but they had a, a particular gift for singing. Like Kristen Chenoweth, it was mm. church, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there, Were you someone who was in a church choir? Is that where it was discovered? <laughs> I was a choir nerd, okay. for sure. So all through elementary school, middle school, high school, I was in concert choir. I lettered in choir. <laughs> you know, I like made all state choir. Like it was, it, that's where I learned how to sing. And how to harmonize and how to read music mm-hmm. and, and how to blend, although I'm not so great at blending. Um, you are on the 72 cast albums that I've okay, listened good. to in awesome. the last few years. So Awesome. Yeah. It feels like my voice is like a horn that just sticks nope. out. Okay, nope. good. Oh, good. As it turns out, not true. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. Thank you. Um, but I, that's where I fell in love with music. And then I would, because I was in the South and I wanted to sing as much as I could, sometimes I would sing in church choirs just because that was another opportunity for me to sing. Any, anywhere I could sing. Then I joined the band. Like anywhere I could sing, I would, I would do it. Were you in a, did you grow up in a family that you would call a religious family? Or? Not at all. No. no. My father's an atheist. My mom grew up religious, but it was a little too much. And so she wanted us to find our own path. And in the South, there was a little bit of um, pressure from peers to, you know, open my heart to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like such a nice idea. And I, I wanted to to be open to it um, and then was. And then when I realized that I might like ladies, um, early on in my in my college career in South Carolina, um, I, I found that the church that I was a part of wasn't as supportive mm-hmm. of that. And so that kind of hurt. So I kind of had to reassess my own sense of spirituality. So when you say I started recognizing that about myself mm-hmm. in college, was that something that you weren't aware of? Not in, at all. I was a... boy crazy. Really? Yes. And in the South, I just didn't have any role models. It wasn't spoken of. Right. There'd be people that were a little different, but we didn't put a name to it or we didn't say the word gay. We just didn't say it. So it wasn't even an option. It, uh, it just wasn't an option. And so if there were girls that I were drawn to or teachers that I now look back and think, oh, I think I had a crush. Right. It was just, I thought. I didn't I, like math at all. <laughs> no, I bet I she Miss had Tina. incredible yeah. cheekbones. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that she did. Um, that I, and I and I genuinely was attracted to boys. I didn't like make that up. I was I was really excited about um, hormones and that surge of power and what that was. That connection between people. I've always been really really interested in sensual power and uh-huh. what that is, and especially the dynamic between men and women. And um, and I still am. I'm fascinated by it. Um, but it wasn't until later that I. That kind of accidentally slept with my best friend. Um, we so both, how does that happen? Well, um, just you know, so I can be aware. No, I want you to be aware. Um, we loved each other so much; it was like the only other thing we could do to express our love for one another. And was it unspoken, or did you go like, "Hey, no, tonight I have this great idea"? Unspoken. We were like playing a little truth or dare, and her boyfriend fell asleep. That's what I blame my entire all of my homosexuality mm-hmm. on his sleepiness. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like one of the most simultaneous moments of my life. We turned to each other, and it just felt for me. Very natural. I was scared in a moment. I was like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing here. And yeah. I was like, I know exactly what I'm doing here. I'm loving this person whom I've loved for, for quite some time. And that's it. It's an energy exchange of love. And then, like, he wakes up. He wakes up. He's like, well, that's the like, best dream oh, I ever had. ladies. Yeah. The next morning we woke up and we're like, what up, bro? How's it going? You guys want some breakfast? Or, um, it was, you know, for her, she married this gentleman, by the way, and they have kids and they're awesome. And she is. And he knows about this absolutely. night. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Um, for me, it was the first time passion and true love came together. And I was like, wow, this is something I need to explore. But it was scary because, again, I was still in the South and I went to an all-women's Southern Methodist school for undergrad. And it it wasn't something that that we talked about very much. So, you know, if you've seen the musical Fun Home, which Mm. for a lot of people kind of miraculously was an an introduction to sort of how one would approach gay life once they're out of their home, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you know, she changed her major to Joan and <laughs> found a club with other women who <laughs> were like her. Mm-hmm. Did it then become, thank you, Alison Bechdel, did it then <laughs> become an opportunity for you to, like, seek out and meet other people? Or on the campus, did you feel like you had to be 
secretive about it? We had to be secretive. We continued to kind of dabble in this expression of love for one another. Her boyfriend knew about it, of course, but um, we were still exploring that with one another. We had to keep it very secret, which was also hot, let's be honest. Yeah, sure. But then I... I feel hot just knowing about the secret, yes. (laughs) (laughs) But then I, um, I saw this play called The Last Summer at Bluefish Cove at um, one of the only professional theaters at the time in South Carolina called Trust Us Theater. And they would do shows that other people would not touch, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of Nikki Silver. And, mm-hmm. and you know, and um, so this particular show is about lesbians um, who go away for a summer. And the lead, Dewey Scott Wiley, was so captivating. And I remember sitting in the front row and we had a moment where she looked and caught my eyes. Wow. And I was done. Mm-hmm. Done, done, done. I sent her roses. I sent her letters. I finally sent her one rose in a letter that was like, look, here's what's going on with me. I I think I may be gay and I'd love to have coffee with you. And um, three months later, we were engaged. (laughs) She must have been older than you. She was, yes. She was 10 years older than me. Okay. And then fun fact, about a month ago for Gay Pride at the LGBTQ Center, they revived that play and I played Lil. I played that role. That changed my whole life. That's it was incredible. so beautiful to come back to it. Um, and Dewey and I are still dear friends. And um, was that a short-lived relationship in the end? It was. Or? It was only three and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um, I just didn't understand the depth of what it meant to make that kind of commitment. But you couldn't have told me otherwise. I was so in love. I, this was it. Like he was a lesbian woman playing a lesbian. Yeah. You know, and I and she was ten years older and so so smart and savvy and loving and it was an extraordinary extraordinary relationship, but I was too young to make that kind of commitment. Were you still in college or was it right after I was still in college. I was only 20 when I proposed. You called your mom? Yes. (laughs) Yes. And not only am I gay, but I'm getting married, right? So there were two whammies. And she said, well, okay, um, I imagine you've slept with men before because we did talk about that. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I have. And she goes, well, I bet this is different. And I said, it is in many, many ways. It's different. And Ultimately, they were worried about, again, being in the South Mm -hmm. and my safety and that it was going to be harder for me. Um, But once they met Dewey, my whole family, they realized that, you know, they can trust me and that my heart is going to be open to good, kind, loving people. And that's whom I want to to be on these journeys with. That is incredible. (laughs) So at some point you're married, Mm -hmm. you're where is your college? Columbia College in Columbia, in South Columbia, Carolina. South and then Carolina. I became a, a company member at Trustus Theater, where Dewey was was one of the uh, artistic directors and actors as well. Did you work together? We at did the time? all the time. It was amazing, 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 That's the best. Yeah. So you stay in the area, mm-hmm. but then when it was time for you to go, because I know you went to grad school with mm-hmm. my beloved Beth Malone and oh. your dearest Beth Malone. Isn't she tremendous? She's person? tremendous, and <laughs> I feel like there's just got to be a way that I get to. Buy a ticket, go see a show, and it's the two of you. Right. We so, should sideshow or something. We should do something. <laughs> like, I don't. what's that going to be? And it's, just the blending of your voices mm. would blow my mind. I mean, you know, I don't know. I mean, we could do a revival of sideshow, something. the two of you. But I would do anything be, with Beth Malone. Yes. I think the world of Although her. you, I feel like you two would laugh so hard <laughs> that we would just have to wait for the two of you to be done laughing. There is a lot of laughing. She yeah. is hilarious. I've never met anyone like her. But so you met her at grad school. At the University of California at Irvine, yes. So that means at some point you left the kind of cozy hamlet of That's Columbia. That's right. I sure did. And drove across country. Did Dewey go with you or was this no, post-marriage? No, we had, yes, we had Partying split. Parting That's right. And I had a new girlfriend at the time, newer, like really new, and she was like, sure, I'll move to California with you because that's what lesbians do. Mm-hmm. And we got in my Oldsmobile and we took, we had three and a half half weeks and like $3,000 and we just... $1,000 a week. And like a zigzag across the country. Awesome. The only rules we had were no more than two nights in in uh, a city and we broke that rule in New Orleans, Vegas, and San Francisco. If you're going to break those rules. Good places to do it. Totally. Right? And so I got to grad school and it was the best possible decision I could have made for myself. It was really an extraordinary program. Um, there were only eight of us um, wow. Mm-hmm. And it's a musical theater program? And this was an a, acting program. A whole yep, just MFA and conservatory style. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And what I liked about the the approach, their methodology, wasn't like, we're going to turn you into this type of actor, but rather, here are some tools that you can use however you would like to make your own 
self shine. Mm. And so I really found that valuable. It was very nurturing. Um, not to say that there weren't some tough classes and things like that, but nobody was like, we're going to beat you down and you've right. got to prove it right. after your first year that you can stay here. There was none of that. And I, I teach now. Um, Where do you teach? All over. Okay. All over, any chance I get. And they really helped instill that positivity hmm. in me, that that is the way that people learn best and that creativity will flourish under a positive light. So are there things, technique or thoughts that you have which you just mentioned in teaching, obviously, but in your life, when you approach work today, just a few years later since you graduated, <laughs> um, that that have stayed with you in Absolutely. terms of how you approach a character? Well, first, I, I try before I approach a character, I look at like where I am and mm-hmm. where my center of balance is for my own life. And if I'm really living um, the philosophy that I am enough. So how do you, not to sound naive, Mm. but how do you literally do that beyond uh, the concept? What does that Mm -hmm. mean? That means checking in each day to make sure that I am being mostly grateful Mm. and that I am practicing kindness and that I'm being compassionate not just with others but with myself, that I'm keeping the voice in my head really celebratory Mm. and encouraging. And if I'm doing that mostly, I mean, we have bad days or bad moments, but if I'm doing that mostly, then I'm in the best possible place to approach wherever this character is. And then I can go down or up. Regardless of who she is. I need to be really, really stable so that I'm taking care of myself first. So I'm often intrigued because I'm a performer and a creative person, but I'm also a parent. Mm. And I think so much about so many of my guests who sit there. I want more than anything to have confident children, mm-hmm. right? Confidence, it's such an effect. It's just elusive. Mm-hmm. Sort of why are some people confident and why are some people not confident? Yes. And nurture and nature and DNA. Yes. I feel like sitting across from you when you tell your story, there was a sense of self from a very early age and um, courage mm. to follow the voice in your head, even if your ideas were less than popular. Do you feel like when you look back at young Jen, is it short for Jennifer or were you always Jen? It's short okay. for Jennifer. Yeah. Do you have a middle name? Lynn, L-I-N. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, were you born with just this, like, unwavering sense of self? You know, I, I, I don't know that I was. I, part of it, sure. My father was... Um, uh, All-American and like soccer and rugby mm. and, and a, a leader. He was a platoon leader in Vietnam and, and the Marines. And um, I, I think I come from good leader stock. Mm-hmm. Like I, I really value what that means to be a good leader. Um, and so I feel like if people are looking up to me in any way that I want to be my best self. And so it, it really started with theater. I was like, if I want people to look at me, mm-hmm. then I realized pretty quickly that they're also looking at how I live my life. Right. And if other people are looking, then that means there's a responsibility to be my best self. Yeah. So in order to take best care of them and of me, I think that's when I realized, oh, this is only going to work if if I'm really doing it and doing it well. Plus, all the there's a lot of rejection, right? There's a lot of no. There's a lot of people saying that's not good or, or what have you. Right, and, and you have to I, do it for yourself. I was like, oh, wow, I need to start making the voice in my head, um, which hasn't always been nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that she was not nice because I'm passionate and driven and this is what's keeping me on top. It's uh-huh. this very disciplined voice that's like, nope, that's not good enough. And I don't believe in that. I think um, the more we can keep the voice encouraging and kind, that that becomes a practice. Right. And so I teach that very much. You know, I, I always joke that, like, if I, I used to knock over a glass of water at home and I'd be like, oh, you idiot, damn it. And it'd be this big deal for some yeah. reason in my head. And now I'll knock over a glass of water and make a point of being like, not a big deal. That's just some water. Let me get some paper towels. No sweat. And conversely, if I knock something off and catch it midair, then I'm like, ninja. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But you're, a, you're like, you, you are winning in every version of Absolutely. that story. Absolutely. Do you feel like? God, so 
with your father's story, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's a whole other mm-hmm. sidebar. Was he someone who shared stories of his life at war? Or do you feel like that was in a private room somewhere in his mind that you didn't have access to? I had to, I was the only one of his kids that ever like started to ask him about it. Mm-hmm. And so he started to share stories with me. And I revealed to him how much I respected and admired that and that I see leadership qualities in him. Mm-hmm. And he kind of marvels at the fact that he has all these boys, but that I, uh, we had a football team in college, and so I played football and was captain all four years and quarterback my senior year, and I, I keep finding myself in these leadership positions right. to make him proud and to, you know, continue his legacy, and so I think he, um, he's quietly proud about that. Which I'm sure. I mean, we talk so much about that sort of having friends who kind of you know, were part of an ensemble and sort of slowly found themselves in the leads of shows and sort of who were the number ones on the call sheet Mm. that kind of inspired them or the above the title people, you know, like the Bernadette Peters or Mm. all of these people, you know, who they kind of looked at and saw how generous they were with their company. Absolutely. um, And how you can be kind and number one on the call sheet at the the same time. Well, being a leader, having a lead role means so much more than just being prepared and doing the role well. It's how you are in the room. Right, If you're treating each person with respect and dignity and feeling grateful to be there and celebrating each day. And if you're having a tough day or feeling vulnerable, like for dance makes me really nervous. And so if if we're having some sort of dance call or dance my chest is tight just saying dance. Right. I'm so sorry. Um, then I have learned to, if I'm holding somebody up, rather than exploding and being mad, being like, I'm feeling a little vulnerable right now, mm-hmm. so forgive me if we have to go back and it's just for me, everyone, just just a moment, bear with me, and try to take responsibility for my feelings and not let it explode into some outburst in the room. Because right. we have to be careful. People don't understand that outbursts like that, if you're feeling nervous or scared or vulnerable, um, do such damage. Mm-hmm. That means you're not being aware of how that affects everyone else around you. And I take that very seriously. So do you not have dance training? I do not. <laughs> no, not yet, at all. Yet you people have found yourself in the world of Broadway. I'm slender, I yeah. think. Yeah. No, I'm and muscular. Great at, and... I'm great at people dancing around me. Right. Um, and I can hold my own. You know what I mean? If I have time or whatever. Yes. But I don't. I Seeing these dancers on Broadway and knowing what real dancers are. You're yeah. like, I know what those numbers on the floor mean, sure. but if you could put me, is there a number off the Just side? Just like other people do stuff and then I'll, <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. I'll be clapping on the side or stomping on the side. You know, Kelly Devine did such a good job with our show with Come mm-hmm. From Away because she realized very quickly that she didn't have natural dancers. And so she created this around people who could move in a certain way that like real people move and made it something special. Well, I realize this long into the podcast that for those of you listening who don't know what Come From Away is, which I don't know, the two of you who don't know what it is, can you just explain, because I'm sure you've talked about this show many, many times, sort of Tell us about Come From Away. Sure. Come From Away is a true story about this little town gander in Newfoundland uh, in Canada that has a huge airport where planes used to fuel up before transatlantic flights. Now they have jets that don't require that anymore. So there's this huge airport just sitting there that doesn't get a lot of use for this tiny little town. Mm. And on 9-11, 38 planes from all over the world were diverted to this airport because they had such a big airport. But there are only like 8,000 people in the town. And so 38 planes equals 7,000 people descending upon the inhabitants of this town. And it's how these Ganderites opened up their homes and hearts and businesses to all of these strangers from all over the world and the beautiful relationships that were formed therein. It's it's an extraordinary story. I still get choked up a little bit yeah. just, just saying it. Well, because it's true. Because it's true. Yeah. And it gives us another memory of mm-hmm. such an awful day and an awful time that such kindness and goodness was happening on this awful day, this awful time just makes my heart explode. It I'm gives sure. me such, such pride in, in humanity. Well, in the creating the ensemble and in the making of this show, which, as you said earlier, it's had many stops along the way mm-hmm. before it got to New York, did they say we don't want sort of 
people who dance and sing? I mean, was there some idea like <laughs> we want great voices and the dancing is not a part of the show that's most important to us? What, was, what was most important to the to the creators, I think, was um, good actors, mm-hmm. first and foremost, and then good people in the room. Like they've been very, very careful to find grateful, open, honest, loving people. Yeah. And then I think Kelly Devine actually was surprised at, at how little we had in the vocabulary of dance. <laughs> um, and, and we She's always like, I'm joke, sorry, I'm a choreographer. No, really, we joke on the first day she came in and she was like, it's going to be a five, six, seven, and a boom. And we were like, can you go back? The f- it was a five, six, and a who was well, I it? I got the boo. I got the boo. But is that boo on the, I really want to know. And she thought we were saying. kidding. She was like, no, nope. again, a five, six, seven. We're like, I'm right on five, but it's a five on a right foot. Can we just go back to the... A five. And so she literally was like, I'm going to take a break. She took a five-minute break, stepped outside, was like... Regrouped. Regrouped, came back. She was like, a five, six, seven. We were like, great, I'm on a five, six. You know, it was a slow (laughs) (laughs) process. Um, And then we realized very quickly, she did, that it wasn't going to be what she had in her mind. But that turned out to be a blessing. Mm -hmm. I don't think it would be as effective if all of a sudden, you know, Claude was doing barrel turns sure. across the stage. It's yeah. not the same. These are real people whom we're representing. And um, it's it's not about how well they dance. It's about how open their hearts are. Well, when we talk about sort of the length of this run, specifically the idea of you having a performance that you've done this many times, this was not your first time at the Broadway Rodeo. No. Because (laughs) you, as I read earlier, I believe first came to New York. Your first Broadway show was Urban Cowboy with Matt Cavanaugh. That's right. From L.A. So the story goes that you were doing stand-up in Los Angeles Mm -hmm. and and got a call to audition for Urban Cowboy. Well, so what what happened was we had a showcase for University of California with NYU and Yale on both coasts. And while we were in New York... Um, Jay Bender's office called me in for Urban Cowboy. <clears throat> and I went in and... So you don't even have an agent yet? I have nothing. Yeah. No, we've just just out of showcase. Amazing. I didn't even have... They wanted me to have a country song. I didn't have a country song. I just had the Maltby and Shires um, from Closer Never that... Uh, the man says things he needs to say. So I was just like, Wait, you're the not, man you're not says things yeah. he needs to sing. I just turned it into a country song, right? And then they were like, awesome, can you sing that higher? And I was like, sure. The man says things. <laughs> and then I got, I kept getting called back, and I thought, oh, my goodness, I'm right out of grad school. And is Jay this Binder is, calling you and going, Jen, I'm going to, like, talking you, yes. like, you don't know what you're doing. No clue yeah. what I'm doing. I just came in there and was, the reader was a woman. I kissed her right on the mouth because there was a scene where I was supposed to. I married her. I'm, I'm Jen Colella. I married her. I, I, I scooped her up. No, no. I <laughs> Not that one. Not that one. Um, but I do love to get married. Mm. Um, so, <laughs> that's my joke. I was like, chicks love it when you propose. <laughs> they go nuts. They go nuts. I love it. Um, no, so I auditioned callbacks I was thrilled, but then it turned out that they went with the woman, Caroline McMahon, with whom they had done all the workshops mm-hmm. and everything. I was still very proud that I'd gotten so far, but I went to California, got agents and managers there, and then started doing stand-up. How? How did you go to California and get agents? Is that the Oldsmobile? No, you're already there. I'm already there, Do you have right? Car at this point, so or is this it still was, the Oldsmobile? No, this was out of grad school, and we had, you know, because we had a showcase. Um, I got called in to some agents. So that office. went well. It went that well. That part went well. It really did. Um, and so I kind of got to feel out who I liked best, mm-hmm. and then. Um, and then started doing stand-up, and so months go by, and then I get the call from my agent, who's like, hey, do you remember that Urban Cowboy audition? And I said, yeah, I didn't get that. Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> and she says, no, uh, there's a, a new director on board, Lonnie Price. The previous director, Phil Osterman, has suddenly passed away. They've been in rehearsals for three weeks, and if you get it, we want to fly you to New York. If you get it, you start rehearsals the next day. So you pack a toothbrush right. or like, a trunk. What do you That's pack very that confusing. Trip? I threw everything I owned practically yeah. into a bag. They flew me first class. They faxed me the side. Sure That's they how did. long ago yeah. this was. E-fax. I'm learning yeah. songs in first class um, on my way to this audition. And how do you feel like on the way? Like, well, how do you feel inside? I feel equal parts terrified and ready. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is a role that suits me. Mm-hmm. It's some 
country girl who starts bar fights and rides bulls and um, can... And that's me. That's me. <laughs> if ever that, there was anything, yeah. that's me. It felt really good in my bones. And I was excited to share with them what I had to offer. Mm. And I remember there being a, more people than I'd ever seen in any room for an audition. And sweet Lonnie Price's face, he's one of my best friends to this day. Angel person. Angel person. And I just could do no wrong. He just sat there with his... His, and you didn't know him before. No. He, but you walked in and he was like, oh, that's just my, love. That's my, and I did. Yeah. Uh, I've had jokes and all these things and he just loved it. And he said, can you step out of the room? We're going to talk about you. And I remember leaving that audition room thinking my whole life could change in this one instant. And no sooner had that thought entered my heart that they called me back in. And he said, uh, we want you to be our leading lady. Welcome to Broadway. What? And Jack Bowden of Jay Bender's office was like, I found Love her. Him. I found her. The room erupted. I we'll give you ca- Jack Bowden. I know. He Jack listens. Bowden. He's hearing this. Oh, yeah. he's changed my life. Every Sweetheart. time I see him, I, I, I kind mm-hmm. of tear up because he changed my life. Yeah. And then the stage manager was like, are you equity? And I was like, no. And he goes, you will be tomorrow morning. Okay. It was just a, a wash of wow. And then the next morning, I'm at, you know, New 42 Studios, and there's a cast of people who have been rehearsing and loving each other for mm-hmm. three weeks in, like, cast year. That's, yeah. like, three years, yeah. right? They're already madly yeah, in love. Yeah, that's camp, yeah. So Lonnie Price takes care of me, says, I'm going to go tell them that we have a new leading lady. I'll be right back to introduce you. Okay. Who so tells them Caroline is no longer with them, and here's your new leading lady. And they were so lovely and welcoming and awesome. And then, fun fact, Caroline McMahon and I, the very next play I did, uh, this musical, um, we played sisters Mm. and also became dear friends. So the universe brought me close to this person because I thought about her every day, obviously. Of course. It was one of the best experiences of my entire life, that whole thing. Wow. And so then you stay here. I did stay here. I was bi-coastal for a little while, but then I just... To do what we do, there's such fertile ground for new things all of the time mm-hmm. happening here. I love it. Um, and the energy and the community and the way that we're not in cars, but we're literally bumping into one another. You want a scooter. I'm literally. A, that's how I travel. In on your that's scooter. right. I like I like wheels and I like being able to, to get places fast and fun. And I, the city thrills me still after so many years. So. Well, it's. It's exciting and eclectic, and and it's real. It's like real. it or not, and it's 107 degrees out there <laughs> yes. right now. So we must really, really love it <laughs> <We> here. <must. laughs> was Chaplin after Urban Cowboy? Yeah. So there was Urban Cowboy, and then High Fidelity, and then Chaplin. So did you have downtime in between yes. shows? So much of it. <laughs> <laughs> Tons of it, um, which uh, at first in my earlier years, I, I'll be honest with you because we've decided we're going to do that. Me mm-hmm. and you, be honest. Yeah. Because um, we were both allowed one lie. We got the one lie and we used Did it you? so early, no. didn't we? That was like four minutes was... in. I don't know. But that's good. We're fast <laughs> like that. We're fast. Um, I was, I, it scared me. The downtime scared me. I didn't realize. I didn't know shows could open and close so quickly. Mm-hmm. I wasn't aware that that was a thing that could happen. Yeah. Um, and so fortunately I, I learned that I need to have other things and I taught undergraduate courses as part of my graduate curriculum. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to teach and I'm going to develop a, a master class and then classes and then have um, private students. And so that's another career that I am just as passionate about. Wow. That's fantastic. Thanks. Um, so I just want to go to this thing where you were like, and then I did stand up because that's kind <laughs> of like saying, talk about bearing the lead. That's like, I was also a neurophysicist. <laughs> like, what? No, like, not. there's nothing. No, no, no. No, no, no. It's really hard. <laughs> it is it's hard. really hard. I mean, <laughs> I, it's not like you said I was great at it, but I have a feeling if you're even saying that you were doing it, that there was some idea that that was something you were good at or comfortable doing. Um, I learned a lot. I Yes, the stand-up part was something that I was that I was good at. And what I found most valuable was that if I bombed on stage, I had no one else to blame. Mm. I'm the writer. I'm the performer. I can't blame it on the accompanist or the writers or anyone else. It's me who has just failed miserably in front of people. Great. And then I learned that in the next breath, in the next joke, I can get them back. Yeah. That it's not over. The world doesn't stop spinning should you quote unquote fail Mm -hmm. on stage. And I found that to be very, very valuable. Um, 
I, it doesn't mean I don't get nervous. I get nervous still every time I'm on stage. But it was just this reminder that it's okay, that it's it's not neurophysics, that it we're not doctors saving lives in right. that way, that we are still playing and growing and learning and that there is a place for failure and that that's okay. What I found most um, difficult about stand-up um, – was hanging out with the comics. Quite mm-hmm. honestly, they're they're notoriously a dark bunch of folks. Yeah, and it's changed now. Quite honestly, um, there I think there are a lot more women, um, and it's not. It used to be very cool to kind of be callous, right? And, and I found a lot of the dudes that I was hanging out with to be disrespectful of themselves and one another. And that is just not my bag. I know you don't know me well, but that is not. No, but in the religion of kindness that you follow, that has to include to yourself. Exactly. But did you, were you like in the groundlings? Were you in some kind (laughs) of improv group? Like, I really need to understand, like, can you do a moment of what your set would be? (laughs) No. I, what happened anything? was I started doing like I somebody encouraged me to do like an, an open mic, and so I did like six minutes at an open mic, and then um, and were you um, observational? Yes, humor absolutely. Person? Observational okay. humor was it lesbian based or not some of it? Sometimes it was. Um, I used to. I was also really obsessed with like cops, like the show Cops. Mm. So tons um, of and stuff so, to do. Yep, I would do you know domestic disputes. I found very funny and would like do my favorite <laughs> sure, domestic. Sure, sure. <laughs> That's funny. Stuff. You can't write dialogue. Fun. People get so indignant. You come into their homes. It was really, really fascinating to me, the human condition under those circumstances. Um, and yes, just about life and being a young lesbian and like things that I noticed in the world. And it was, I mean, I it, because I'm good at connecting mm-hmm. with people, I, I tried to make the room feel like my living room. And that's a place where, where I succeeded. Were there comedians that you admired particularly? Absolutely. Um, well, I grew up listening to like Eddie Murphy and Richard Pryor and Bill Cosby and um, definitely Ellen and and you know even farther back like Lily Tomlin and mm-hmm. Goldie Hawn and um, Carol Burnett like these are all people who really influenced my brand of humor. I won't stay on it too much longer but I do want to know like when you stepped out on stage mm-hmm. did you have like a thing like a I mean sometimes there was one thing I'd step out and be like oh my gosh I'm so thrilled to be here this is exciting I've been thinking about this for a long time and I can't believe I'm finally here I realized though that I forgot to write jokes <laughs> <laughs> and I just kind of stand there and be like so this is going to be a long seven minutes. Does anybody have, do you have jokes? Let me think about, you know, like I would like struggle, like act like I was struggling. Totally. That was fun. Yeah, people would yell something out and then I'd try to riff on that or like make a joke or, so I was just kind of goofy. It's just me being ridiculous. I always tell my friends, like, I want to see your stand-up. I was like, you've seen it. Yeah, I happen to be sitting down. (laughs) My mother, we, my mother is older and we were just in Florida and, and we were talking about like, I'm, this isn't a new idea, but you just remind me of it. Like we were doing a stand up, like, let's all try to do stand up. Mm-hmm. And um, my mother was like, I can't stand. So I'm going to do sit down. <gasps> Amazing. See? And Hilarious. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hilarious. Why isn't this a thing? Like in senior centers all right? over the world, sit like down. A sit down. <laughs> I love that. And she did a whole riff about like how she became treasurer She's in her 80s, and she remembered her sixth grade becoming treasurer like it was yesterday. She was like, I was terrible at math. I just had to wait. Like, she had, it was like, this is, this is good. I love this. This is, no, good. This is Helen Levine will be yes, doing a Helen. set at Caroline. Oh, I want to meet her. I want to hang out with Helen. Well, she saw your show, and I, and, uh, and my mother, not only is she brilliant at sit down comedy, mm-hmm. um, my mother, is one of these people who it's not that she's not sensitive and compassionate. She's not a crier. Mm-hmm. She's like, you know, her family story is the Holocaust. Like there are yes. no more tears to be right. shed. And right. it has to really, like for a tear to come, it literally has to be huge. Mm-hmm. And and the first time I saw the show, we took her for Mother's Day. And, uh, and not that crying is a sign of like something extraordinary, but... But it was Mm -hmm. to see her kind of watch this thing and sort of she was so quiet. It's like, what's going on? Mm -hmm. Because the thing about Come From Away is that it's also hilarious. (laughs) There's so much in this. Like, you can't believe it. You're crying and you're laughing. And then, you know, as people's truths are revealed about what's going on back home, there's just a lot of emotion that comes up without spoiling the story for anyone. Mm -hmm. And just to kind of 
the show is over, and it takes her a while to get up anyway. Mm-hmm. That's me too. Yeah, at this me too. Point. Starting to hello, yeah. um, <laughs> five, six, seven. <laughs> Shoot, I can't get up right there. Um, she just sat there so quietly, and then it happened, and I thought I, the world had stopped. Mm. Like there was something about come from away. I saw it again recently, and I tweeted this. I felt like it was as fresh and brand new Mm. as the week I saw it, which was with the first week of previews, was the first time I saw it. So let's just even start with that, that. right? Like, like that's no small thing. There was nothing about it that felt like stage management was putting in the seventh cast, and Mm. and you know everyone was like giggling backstage. Mm -hmm. It was so unbelievably grounded and real and beautiful and Mm. that was one of the greatest things to just see that sort of newness that you're bringing to it but anyway there was really um there's there's just something about the simplicity and i don't mean that in a in a negative Mm -mm. way but there's something so straightforward about what you guys are doing um, and we haven't even talked about you playing this real captain, this real first, fe- you know, female pilot for American Airlines. Yeah, she was the first captain for, for American Airlines. Right, like that. that is a friendship I know that has mm-hmm. been cultivated for you with mm-hmm. this real life. You know, my mother's other thing, and I'll just, enough of, Helen is taking over this Why thing. wouldn't she? she Amelia Earhart like was like, woman. for her as a girl, mm-hmm. my Hillary Clinton, right? Absolutely. Like, she Absolutely. just couldn't believe someone was alive on the planet that was a woman who was, fl- and when she died, mm. I think my mother went into mourning as mm-hmm. if it was a family member. Mm-hmm. So there was a connection also to your character. And, awesome. you, know, you play many characters, but in particular, Beverly, that just, I think, also resonated so deeply for her. I love that. Yeah. I love that so much. Thank you for sharing You're that You're welcome. Me. The last thing I want to ask you, because I know when Ben Platt was here, we talked a lot about people's expectations of sharing their stories with you. Mm. When he played Evan Hansen, mm-hmm. he became the poster child for mental health and vulnerability in a way. So people started coming to him to share their lives. And he's like, I'm 23 years old and I love you, but I'm not an expert. Mm -hmm. I would imagine when you're part of this show that is part of real recent history, Mm -hmm. there are people, it's not like you're doing a a World War I show. This is people's real life right now. Yes. How do you, what do you do with all of that other than, when you said gratitude mm-hmm. and thank you, mm-hmm. where do you put that and how do you go on and not take all that with you? It's a, that's another part of the, of the training of yeah. the discipline that I am still learning um, because I am quite an empath. So mm-hmm. I do, I do take on a lot, um, but I've learned to, we have to have boundaries at the stage door, right? I also always stage door because uh, unless I have to be somewhere sure. else, but I really try to do it because what other like job do you get to step outside at the end of your work day and people are like excellent work today like nobody gets that not not at the telephone company where i work not want to take that for granted so i think it's sweet that people want to wait around at the end of my work day to say good job and have a moment with me but i'm learning how to receive wherever they are and what they have to share and also valuing my own sense of boundaries Mm -hmm. and and time and what i can take on um sometimes girls are shaking and crying and it's not just because of the story it's because I'm out, um, mm-hmm. and, and so there are a lot of and different things you. at play. Yes, you're Dewey. Uh, correct, I'm right? right? Correct, you're they're Dewey. That's yeah. right. And and so I receive what they have to offer me, and I'm also then I'm like, thank you so much. It was a pleasure, and I have to move on to the next person. Yeah. And then we have beautiful fans who have come back. We have one fan who's been over 200 times, and I find that extraordinary. It's just this reminder that we are you know, bringing people closer. But again, we have to be careful. Like, I, I feel like I know these people, but I, I have to be able to take care of myself. And so when they share stories that are especially sad or they're still moving through something that this show is helping them mm-hmm. move through, I will receive it and listen and read. I read all the letters um, and and then I have to put it away and 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 carry on with my own day or else I, I won't be able to function. No. Right. And and do your job. Mm-hmm. Can you believe that you got to do this? Like no matter be on what your podcast? Hap- no. no, I can't. I'm thrilled. <laughs> but like no matter like to do this part and all the parts you play in the show mm-hmm. and 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 to be and come from away. Like no matter what happens mm-hmm. next. Mm-hmm. 
you have this, mm-hmm. right? Like, I, that must just be... One of the greatest joys and privileges of my life. Absolutely. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Thank you for saying that and, and reminding me of, of that. It is, uh, it is, will always be one of the, the best times of my entire life. Well, it's certainly watching you has been one of the best times of my entire life. Mm, what a sweetheart you are. I cannot wait to see what you do next. Mm. Um, I can't believe I'm going to get to turn on my television and see you there. And now not just people who get to come to Broadway or see little clips on YouTube are going to get to know you in this whole other way. Mm-hmm. Can you talk at all about the character you play on The Code? Are you sworn to secrecy or is it? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to have to. I just have to wait because we're still, you know, they're still casting and still yeah. figuring it all out. But it's it's exciting. Take a, yeah, I think we're going to start. Um, it'll start airing in December. So just look out for, for The Code. Let's what's the, yes. what is, like, what's it's the about, world of? Um, it's it's Marines who are um, lawyers. I play a, a judge, sure, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Cor- Corpus, and um, it, they've decided to be Marines within the Corps rather than go and be Marines where they can make a bunch of money because they believe in in taking care of the the Corps and doing what's right and and uh, serving in that way. I can't believe you got to call your dad and tell I him know. that and showed him a picture right? of me, like in the like Marine that's... garb. I, it's so much cooler than any musical of theater course. thing I've ever done. Yeah, of course. I, I, I feel so lucky. Oh, Jen Colella, I hope you will come back. This has been extraordinary, and you are so beautiful. Likewise, my friend. Thank you for being here today. The pleasure was mine. If you want more information about my guests, go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com. I also wanted to tell you that there is now a new addition to the website. It is a button that says Contributions. This podcast is a true labor of love, and I really, really want to keep doing it for a long time. So if you like listening as much as I love to do it, please feel free to contribute. It would mean the world to me. Also, on Twitter, you can find me at Alana Levine. Instagram is Little Known Facts Podcast, and on Facebook, Little Known Facts Podcast. You can also feel free to rate and review the show on the iTunes show page. This podcast is recorded at Hangar Studios in New York City. This episode was brought to you by Pro Media. Located in Times Square, Pro Media offers both production and post production services out of its beautiful studios in the heart of New York City. Pro Media Sound Vision. Find out more at promedia.nyc. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.